In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Have you ever wondered why two Christians married together can get divorced? Or how two Christians living together can live in a non-Christian relationship? Find out in today's episode. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast, Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. I'm Jim Ramos, your host and guide leading you to your best version in that stress bubble of life and beyond. Welcome to today's episode. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Juniper Mountain Trading Post. Juniper Mountain Trading Post is actually a coffee company. It is my new favorite coffee. They just came out with a brand new, uh, I'm not going to call it flavor, it's a roast. It's called Cupped Lightning. So they have their Trail Boss, they have their Camp Cook, which are their dark and medium roast, but Cupped Lightning is their light roast, and I put that in my coffee press, and man, it is so good. It does not taste like a light roast. It really has a medium roast flavor. It is delicious. Go check it out, guys. Hey, head on over to junipermountaintradingpost.com, and when you check out with your coffee, if you enter the code ARENA, they will give you 10% off your order. We are sharing another one of our hero stories this year. Again, we're looking for 365 hero stories this year. One hero story for every day of the year. A hero story is a story uh, that either you have written in or someone who loves you has written in about how you are being changed by God through the ministries of men in the arena. This week's hero story comes from Zeke on Instagram. And Zeke writes, hey, I love what the Lord is doing through you and your team. The Lord has really used men in the arena to further me as a man. So there's your hero component right there, right? So he's telling us that God is furthering him as a man. He continues, just recently, my girlfriend's parents made us break up because of me not doing what they believe I should be doing. Good job, mom and dad. Because of this, I've been struggling with who I am as a man. Struggling. Struggle is part of of transformation. The struggle is good, guys. So he's struggling. After listening and watching to you and your ministry for the past five months, I've started a small group of guys that go to my youth group. We're going through your book, Guts and Manhood. 
you get a hero story point just for going through my book. I'm just kidding. But he started a group. So now he went moved from the struggle to now he's sharing about the struggle with other people. This is getting better. He continues, as well as going to a bi-weekly men's group at my church. Thank you for all you do. I look forward to the next episode. So not only did he work through the struggle, but he his transformation, he wrestled with a group of people together. And he also went to a group of other men where they could help him in the discipleship process. That is beautiful, Zeke. Hit us up with your address. We want to send you some swag just to say thank you. Hey, guys, I want to jump into the meat of today's podcast. This will be a two-week series on equipping men in 10 that deals with this concept of marriage. I woke up a week ago after having a dream where I had these things pouring into me about marriage. And so I do what I always do. I pulled out my pen and paper and I wrote it down. And so I'm processing what biblical marriage is opposed to two Christians getting married and not living a biblical marriage. I have seen numerous, numerous, numerous Christians over the years, Christians who love Jesus individually, but have not brought Jesus into their marriage corporately as a couple. And I want to talk for the next two weeks about that. And today I want to talk about the function over form in marriage. Now, when I talk about function, I'm talking about how a biblical marriage should function. So not two Christians being married, but a Christian marriage. There is a difference. Two Christians getting married does not equate to a Christian marriage. We want to see a Christian marriage within the context of these two believers falling in love and getting married. So I want you to understand that. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, we read this, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So I want to talk to you about the love triangle. Now, in society, when you hear the phrase love triangle, we think, okay, this guy likes this girl, and then he also likes this girl, or somehow there's a third party brought into the relationship. So that's what culture says about a love triangle. So I want to tell you what I believe is a biblical triangle, a biblical love triangle based on Jesus at the top, me over here, and my wife over here. So a love triangle with the couple's pursuing God together in a deeper union with Jesus Christ. And as they get closer to Jesus, they get closer together. And I want to expose what I believe is a lie of our culture. And Christians, and if you're listening to this, maybe you are one of those dudes, have bought into the lie of culture because we do not understand Scripture. So let me walk you through seven things that I believe are function, so biblical function, over cultural form. So I want to dissect, I want to draw a line of demarcation between biblical function and cultural norm or form. Biblical function or cultural form. Now you may not agree with this. I'm still processing a lot of this in my mind and how it relates to mine and other marriages, Christian marriages. So the first thing is this, I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go from the top bot to the bottom. So the bottom will be the foundational component. The top will be the apex of the triangle. So we're going to work like this today. Okay. So number seven, if you want to order them differently, you can, I don't care. So that number seven is Christ, our savior. So marriage has to function with the pursuit of Christ, our Savior, at the top. Our culture, our church culture, or our secular culture says, no, 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 no. We just want to give cognitive assent. So I've got Christ as my Savior over here. 
but a lot of marriages just have give cognitive assent to Jesus. Oh yeah, I like Jesus. I follow Jesus on Instagram. Jesus and I Snapchat together all the time. I, I agree with everything you agree with. Okay, that's great that you agree with me, but are you a radically sold out follower of Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? So that is the top rung of this ladder. It's the top, it's the apex, so to speak, of the love triangle. The next level down is what I call uh, the Bible talks about deep, deep satisfaction. There's a deep satisfaction after spending a lifetime loving one woman. I have not kissed another woman in 35 years besides my wife, Shanna. Beyond her, she's it. I have been true to that one woman. The 31 years of being married and the three years I was pure uh, before meeting her, you know, there's a deep satisfaction knowing that I have a, a person who I share my soul with versus the versus the form of our society that says, no, no, no. I understand this deep satisfaction of a life lived together, but over here, we're going to say, let's just ride off into the sunset. So over here, I've got satisfaction over a lifetime with one person. Or over here, I've got this form of marriage just says, if you ride off into the sunset, let the credits roll, that's it. And that is the furthest thing in the world from the truth, because that's when all of the suffering begins. Which brings me to number five. Number five, I get to this level of satisfaction when I experience sameness with my wife. The Bible says the two become one flesh. You know, Shanna and I go to church together. We vote the same. We work out the same. We uh, talk the same. We think the same. We have the same values. We've raised the same children. Everything about us is connected, interconnected. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So we are wound together, and the Bible says that there is a oneness there. Where culture says, no, that's really not true. There is a separation in the form of marriage that culture talks about. No, you be you, you do you, be your own person. You know, hey, as long as he makes you happy, but there's no, there's, there's a separation within the culture's view of marriage. There's not this distinctive oneness or sameness, which is why our culture says, hey, live together before you're married. Hey, have multiple partners. Hey, drive, test drive the car. And this is a lie of society saying that there is a, a separation is okay. And the Bible says, no, it's not okay. There is a sameness, a union, a oneness. The next level down, which in my document here is four, level four, seven, six, five, four, is there's a sanctification. The function of marriage is to sanctify us. The function of marriage is to make us holy. Marriage should make me closer to Jesus. It should make me a better man. It should make me a man who is more disciplined. It should make me a man who's more sacrificial. Marriage in the Bible is about holiness or sanctification. Our culture tells us as long as she makes you happy, because marriage is about this superficial idea of happiness. Happiness is what happens to me. Joy is what happens in me. And so the Bible says, hey, this sanctification is about the work I want to do in you, where our culture says, no, marriage is about what happens to you. So if you're not happy, get out of the marriage. The third level down is what I call, and this is the one, this is the one that cracks me up. But this is why I've saved this one. There's like two. This one's number three, and this one is suffering. Marriage is hard. There is a suffering 
to marriage, when you choose to get up every day and love that person. I just ran into a guy in California. He was really working hard. How do I fall in love with my wife? How do I feel love for my wife? And I said, listen, bro, the Bible never talks about you feeling anything for your life, your wife. Love, agape love, has nothing to do with your feelings. It's everything to do with you decisively choosing to serve and to sacrifice and to love her. And that's where our culture's got it wrong because the culture, the form of marriage says, hey, no, no, don't do, don't suffer. Marriage isn't about suffering. It's about settling. Marriage should be easy. You ride off into the sunset, the credits roll, credits roll. You know, you have that first kiss before the first date uh, on a Hallmark movie. I confess that I do know that, uh, you know, and that is what it's all about. And that's, that's a lie, you guys. Don't settle for the easy, easy path because that is not the path to the better you. And that's not the path to a better marriage. And it's not the path to a Christian marriage. Number two is sacrifice. So when I, when I talk about sacrifice, you know, the Bible is really clear in Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 33, that the man is supposed to sacrifice for his wife like Christ did for the church, and the woman is supposed to submit to her husband. Both of those are aspects of sacrifice. In order for a marriage to work, there is an element, a function, again, the function column, the function column of sacrifice. In other words, sacrifice says, I'm going to surrender my will for your will. Where our culture says, no, marriage is not about sacrifice. It's about selfishness. It's about my will be done. Your job as a spouse is to help me have what I want. My will be done. Where Christian, the Christian function of marriage is about sacrificing your will for my will. So we have the function of marriage in the uh, biblically is the, is sacrifice. The form of marriage in our society is selfishness. And the foundation of all of this, so we built this triangle. The foundation of all of this, none of this will make sense to you unless you have lived at the, the foundational level of our, our triangle, which is salvation. Have you truly given your life to Jesus? Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. In other words, you just you lay down your whole life for this. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So my question for all of you Christians out there who who agree with Jesus but may not be living for Jesus, have you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ? And have you truly found salvation in Jesus? So the function of marriage, the foundational function of marriage is salvation. Without salvation, we could care less about what the Bible says about marriage. We have to start with salvation. The form of marriage over here is society. So salvation says be transformed by the living God. Society says adhere to the cultural norms. So if you are a Christian who is adhering to a cultural norm, you're living together outside of marriage, you aren't going to church together, you don't pray together, you don't read your Bibles together, you actually do nothing together as Christian, it could be because either you are not a Christian and you think you are, or you are a Christian who is involved in a non-Christian marriage. Either of those need a radical transformation by the Savior. So if we look at, so let's work from the bottom up, guys. Salvation is the building block. It's the foundation. Start with salvation. Then you move to sacrifice. You sacrifice your will for theirs. Then suffering, because marriage is hard. It takes a lot of work. Then sanctification. You're saying, I want to be holy, not 
happy. Then the next level is there's a sameness. There's a oneness involved. And then there's a, sa- a deep, deep, deep satisfaction from knowing that you're with the one that you love for a lifetime and you've built a life together. There's a deep joy there because ultimately you're pursuing Jesus Christ, your Savior. So you move from this foundation of salvation you move from this foundation of salvation towards the Savior as you live out before the world your love triangle. Guys, I hope this helped. I'm still processing this. You'll hear more next week. Uh, if you have any comments, please let me know. I always get comments about guys uh, really ticked off because they say that marriage is not about being holy. It's about being happy. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. I live in a deeply satisfied marriage. I'm deeply in love with my wife. I'm a happy, happy camper. But I'm telling you, the happiness flows out of joy not selfishness. So guys, check yourself at the door, read the scripture, see what it says, compare your marriage to Jesus when you look at how you interact with your wife. Guys, if you like this episode or you think it's going to help one of your bros, if you could copy the link and shoot it on over to that guy, I would really appreciate it. Or if you're a guy who's a a Christian guy married to a Christian woman, but you're in a non-Christian marriage, guys, hit us up, let us help you out. Make sure you go to our website Hit join the program button so you can be surrounded by a group of dudes that help you grow stronger in your faith and your marriage. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Smell the stench of battle. Taste the sweetness of victory. Get in the game. Get dirty. Climb the pyramid and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.